Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Scripture today is Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost." I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Why did our Lord Jesus come to the earth? He came to reveal God to mankind, yes. He came to teach the principles of the kingdom of God and invite people into the good of that kingdom, yes. He came to demonstrate how man can live with God in complete charge of his life, yes. But the primary reason Jesus came that made the other aspects of his mission possible was to save sinners. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners. The church is a hospital for sinners, not a religious country club. We need to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ does not point out the way to salvation. He is the way. Our Lord Jesus reveals God the Father to us. He gives us the light of spiritual knowledge. He saves us from ignorance and misery. But above all else, Jesus saves us from sin. Most of the troubles we experience in this life comes from underestimating the power and reality of sin. Modern man thinks that if he uses his reason, if he has better education or better government support or more money or better technology, he can bring about a better world. 
This is a deception and a grave miscalculation. More government, more money, more technology, better education will not work. We must come to terms with the reality of sin. We must recognize that sin is a perilous fact of life and not simply a slip-up or a defect. Either God or sin must die in my life. If sin rules me, then God's life in me will die. But if God rules in me, then sin will die. We can't have it both ways. The reason our world is in chaos and turmoil is because men and women are controlled by the power of sin and not by the power of God's life within them. We need to remember this when we are afraid to confess and forsake our sins. To confess and forsake sin is the single answer to man's problems. The more we believe we are not sinners, the worse sinners we become. The more we try to appear religious or better than others, the deeper our hypocrisy develops. That's why we have confession of sins. That's why we go to God and ask him to reveal our defects and faults and sins so that he can heal us and free us of them. That's why we provide the sacrament of confession where you can come into the chapel, confess your sins to God, and then hear the priest pronounce the joy of absolution from sin. Now, in order to understand why Jesus told the parable of the lost shepherd, we need to know a little background. In Jesus' day, there was a group of people called the Pharisees and scribes. These people maintained their own religious country club. When the Lord Jesus came on the scene, they were disgusted and outraged because he associated with sinners and publicans. Sinners and publicans were the people the Pharisees looked down upon. They shunned these people. They called them vile outcasts. But it was sinners and publicans that were the very people Jesus loved to be around because they were the ones who admitted that they needed to be saved. So there was a war between Jesus and the religious country clubbers. Publicans and sinners were treated as scum by the country clubbers, but they were loved by Jesus. Jesus took a real interest in common sinners. He listened to them. He loved them. He ate meals with them. He led them to the path of salvation. The Pharisees and the scribes were afraid to even go near to sinners because they didn't want to become ceremonially unclean. So as Luke chapter 15 opens, Jesus is coming under severe criticism from the Pharisees because he actively seeks out and spends time talking and eating with the very people the Pharisees hate, people that the official religion wanted nothing to do with, people of low reputation, people that polite society avoided like the plague. In verse 2, the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You can sense the disgust, the disdain and hatred coming from these religious gatekeepers. In response to their complaint, 
Jesus tells three parables. First of all, a story about a lost sheep, then a story about a lost coin, and finally the story about a lost son. In the short parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin, there are two simple themes. Both these short parables state the same principle. One is the theme of deliberate, intentional searching after what is lost. And the other is the theme of joy and celebration when what is lost is found. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must embrace and live out these two themes in our service of the Lord. Let's take a moment to invite God to search our hearts. Where are we before him right now? Heavenly Father, please sweep away any indifference from our hearts. Please help us to hear and respond to your holy word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. First, the theme of deliberate intentional searching for what is lost. The shepherd owns 100 sheep. But when one is lost, he's not content simply to have the 99 left. The lost one becomes temporarily his focus. Look at verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Now, how do sheep get lost? They either get lost through their own stupidity or through deliberate rebellion against the shepherd. The parable doesn't say how the sheep got lost, but we can use our imagination. Let's assume that a sheep is out grazing and he sees some other green grass at the top of the hill and wanders over to inspect. Ah, sweet green grass, so good to eat. He munches away for a while and then sees another clump of grass further beyond. So he wanders over the hill away from the fold. The sheep never intentionally leaves the shepherd. He doesn't decide to get himself lost. He just drifts away. The sheep knew that grass was sweet and so it started wandering to find yet another patch of grass. It simply nibbled its way out of the path, away from the shepherd's care and the safety of the larger flock. Now in Hebrews 2.1 we read, We must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Falling away from our faith doesn't require a deliberate willfulness. We can simply drift quietly away from God, away from the church, away from the Bible. It only takes wandering off the path to look for greener grass. Drifters and wanderers are like the little boy at the beach who puts his rubber raft out on the ocean waves and lays down to enjoy the sun. He closes his eyes as his body is warmed. He feels wonderful and dozes off. When he wakes up a few minutes later, he realizes that he has not only drifted far away from shore, but he's caught in a riptide that's carrying him out into serious trouble. He didn't plan to drift away into danger. It just happened. 
Friends, there are thousands of people, millions of people, who don't intend to rebel against God. They don't actively turn away from God. They just follow their carnal desires. They live what might be called animal lives, sensual lives. They follow their immediate inclinations and desires with no thought of future consequences. They don't put restraints on their appetites and urges. They simply indulge themselves and act without thinking. Their vision is limited to the immediate, to today, to having a full stomach, an iPhone, and a few dollars in their pocket. There is no thought of God, of eternity, of heaven and hell, and so they wander further and further away from the right road. They drift into deeper and deeper darkness. Man was designed by God to be guided by intelligence, reason, will, foresight, conscience, and virtue. When we lose sight of these things, we descend to the level of the animal. We are like dumb sheep who wander away from the shepherd drifting along in search of more grass to eat, something to satisfy our animal urges. How important are lost sheep to us? Who are the lost sheep in our circle of influence? Family members, friends, relatives. How can we help them? How can we bring Jesus to them? God is our shepherd. Through Jesus, God seeks out lost sheep and we are called to seek lost sheep as Jesus did. Deliberately, intentionally seeking lost sheep means there will be times when the lost sheep are temporarily more important than the sheep that are safely within the fold. Who are our lost sheep? Who has wandered off and needs to be deliberately, intentionally sought out? Can you name them before God? What will you do to reach out to them this week? listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Then there is the theme of joy and celebration. Look at verse 5. And when he has found the lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. This is a true picture of a shepherd and his flock in the Middle East. The shepherd was personally responsible for every sheep in the flock. In fact, if a sheep was lost, the shepherd had to bring home the fleece to show how it had died. Consequently, shepherds were expert sheep trackers. 
They could follow a straying sheep's footprints for miles across the hills, and no sacrifice would be too great and no time and effort too demanding. You go and you find the lost sheep. Lost sheep get the attention of the shepherd. They can get into grave danger. Sheep are stupid by nature. They are defenseless. Did you know that a sheep has no self-defense mechanism? If they fall over on their side, they literally can't get up by themselves. They are hopeless and helpless. So the sheep that's wandered off would be in great danger from predators, in danger from falling, in danger from exhaustion, from dehydration. The land is rugged and demanding. There are rocks everywhere. There are ravines to fall into. All kinds of potential problems could beset a lost sheep. We're told by people who work with sheep in the Middle East that when sheep become afraid, they get very nervous, they get very fearful, and they lie down and die. That's right. They can't get up. They become so despondent and discouraged. Now, the Pharisees to whom Jesus was telling this story knew all of this. They knew the shepherd had to go and do whatever was necessary to save a lost sheep. And so the Pharisees and the scribes would buy into this story. They would understand the necessity of the action that the shepherd had to take. What's wonderful about the shepherd is that when he finds the lost sheep, he doesn't punish it. He doesn't treat it cruelly or force it back to the fold by driving it before him. He places it on his own shoulders and gently carries it back to safety. What a picture of God's love. Then when the shepherd gets home, he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Let's throw a party. Let's rejoice together. I've found my lost sheep. Notice that the shepherd did not say, Rejoice with the sheep who has been found, but rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Do you see the difference in emphasis? Rejoicing with the sheep who has been found puts the emphasis on the sheep, not on the shepherd's rescuing love for the sheep. That is the self-serving consumer orientation to salvation so prevalent in the modern church. I'm so glad that Greg became a Christian. He was lost to God and now he's found happiness, peace, new friends, and eternal life in heaven. That puts the emphasis on Greg, the lost sheep. Jesus puts the emphasis of salvation on himself as the good shepherd. He seeks and finds the sheep. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep. Bringing lost men and women to faith in the gospel is the joy of Jesus. He does the seeking and finding. God delights to bring lost sinners home. It satisfies his shepherd's heart. The mission of Jesus was to save lost sinners and the accomplishment of that mission gives him great joy. Why does God proclaim the message of salvation throughout the world? Why does God recover lost sinners? Because it brings him joy. 
This calls not only into question the Pharisees who were totally indifferent to the lost who needed to be recovered, but it calls us into question to ask us, what is the source of our joy? Where do we find our joy? What brings us the deepest satisfaction and fulfillment? Someday, when we all gather around the throne in heaven, it will become very clear. We're going to sing a new song, says Revelation 5. Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. And then all the angels will exclaim, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. You see, friends, in heaven, we will be eternally celebrating the success of the Lamb's mission to recover lost sinners. We need to understand heaven's joy so that we can make it our own joy. So Jesus indicts these false leaders for their absolute indifference to the sinners around them. Our Lord Jesus surrounded himself with sinners and publicans because he was on a recovery mission to bring joy to the heart of God the Father. We, each of us, are called not only to intentionally seek out the lost sheep, but to rejoice greatly in the love of the shepherd when he reaches down to bring all sorts of people to repentance and faith in the gospel. Always, beloved, we must maintain the vertical orientation. The lost sheep didn't do anything to find themselves. The lost sheep was stupidly wandering off to satisfy his animal desires. But God stepped in. God rescued him from sin and turned his heart to salvation. Man doesn't save himself. God saves him through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross. Now, look at verse 7. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Why does heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents? This is an excellent question. Because to truly repent means to grieve over the sins we have committed and not to commit them again. As St. Gregory says, to grieve over some sins while continuing to commit other sins shows that either we do not yet know how to repent or we but pretend to repent. You see, the Pharisees were the ones who pretended to repent. They considered themselves to be the righteous ones, the holy ones, who went through all the religious ceremonies of confessing sins, but they never really repented. They just went through the outward motions. When we truly repent, 
we actually turn away from our sins and refuse to commit them again. So what is it that we are to do as a result of hearing this gospel teaching from our Lord Jesus? Notice that Jesus didn't end these parables with, Go and do likewise. And Luke didn't end this chapter with, Go and imitate Jesus. The first thing to do in response to this parable is to look at the Lord Jesus himself. Consider Jesus the Good Shepherd. Know who Jesus is. Learn what kind of person it is you say you trust and love and worship. Saturate your soul with the ways of Jesus. Watch Jesus. Listen to him. Stand in awe of him. Let him overwhelm you with the way he is. If we will do this, we will be so permeated with the beauty of this risky, painful, loving way of life that we cannot help but pursue it. When you think about Christianity, you probably think about a cross. But it wasn't always that way in Christian history. In early Christianity, believers didn't use a cross. Once in a while, they used a sign of a fish, but that was more in the Gentile world. Early Christians used the image of a shepherd with a sheep on his neck. In fact, if you've ever been to Israel and gone to those stores where they have things carved out of olive wood, you'll find little wooden carvings of a shepherd with a sheep around his neck. They're beautiful. That was the early Christian symbol because the first disciples understood the meaning of being carried by Christ back to the Father's presence. It might be a good idea to start wearing the emblem of the Good Shepherd carrying a sheep on his shoulders. People may ask, what is that? And you'll have the opportunity to say, the Good Shepherd found me when I was lost and carried me home to the Father. Listening friend, you may be one of the lost sheep the Good Shepherd is seeking. Put your trust and hope in the Good Shepherd Jesus Christ today. Believe upon him and be carried home to your loving Heavenly Father. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? 
Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.